Are you ready to hear the word? Our speaker needs no introduction around here. His name is Jeff Ferris. He is a man of God, an ordained minister by Generations Church and recently became a chaplain. He was retired, but he's staying very busy. I don't think he's retired anymore. Jeff Ferris, come right on, brother. Pastor Allen has been teaching a series on honoring God and more. And uh, this parable will help me kind of get into my message. So you can read the question up there. If you could have any car to drive anywhere you wanted to drive it, and it wouldn't cost you anything, what car would you choose? Any car. Let's, what car would you choose? I want to hear what your choices would be. A Maserati? A what? A minivan. Wow. Dream big. A minivan. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go with a Ma Maserati. So you're a, you, you just have got your driver's license, okay? And now you have your dream car. It's a Maserati. It's not just a Maserati. It is a one-of-a-kind Maserati. It is custom-made for you. I mean, every feature it could have, it has, and even more. Special engine, special suspension. Oh, a special sound system, too. I mean, it is great. And it's yours. Here's the keys, and you got them. And off you go. And you are driving this thing everywhere, doing whatever you want to with this car and having the time of your life. And then you start having problems with your car. And you, you know, what am I going to do? So you've got this car. You're having these problems. Where would you take it to get it fixed? A machine shop? A Maserati shop? Okay. What if we could do one better than that? What if you were able to learn the address of the person who actually made that car? I mean, could you take it to a better person than the person that actually created that car? So you find that address, and you go and you knock on the door, and guess who answers the door? It's your father. You're like, what? I didn't know you made cars. You made this car for me? That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. I didn't know that. So he says, well, yeah, I made the car for you. Why are you here? Well, I'm having problems with this car. Well, let me ask you a few questions. What kind of maintenance do you do on this car? You're like, maintenance? What is maintenance? So, well, that's a problem. He said, well, tell me what kind of problems you've been having with the car. Well, I'm driving down, and sometimes it'll just on a mind of its own just go off in this direction. Oh, that's bad. What else? Well, sometimes I'm going really, really fast, and I go to stop, and I can't stop. And sometimes the whole thing, the every, everything on the dashboard lights up. I just ignore it and keep on going, but... I'm telling you, I'm having problems. He said, well, tell me about where, where you've driven this car. I'm like, well, on the road. I've driven it on the racetrack. I have a friend that has a ministry in Intube. In so I took it over there and actually hooked plows up to it and drug a plow behind my Maserati to make the ground ready, ready to plant, right? And your dad's just shaking his head. 
He said, well, what about this body damage here? It's like, well, I do like to go off-roading in my Maserati. <laughs> and I did once try one of those evil Knievel jumps across the... He says, well, I tell you what, Yvette, I can fix this, but it's going to require that you change. It's going to require that you listen to what I am going to tell you you need to do to drive this Maserati the way I designed it to be driven. And that's what we're going to talk about today because that Maserati is you, all of you, and that creator of that Maserati is the Lord. Can I get an amen? But uh, y'all worship along with this, and when I get my thing set up, I'll come back and finish my lesson. Okay, yesterday we had choir rehearsal, but now we can sing it for real. Come on, help us sing this song. Here we go. The Lord Make is close my shepherd, attention everybody. to the words. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me, defender behind me, defender behind me. Y'all been practicing. I won't fear. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. Thank you, Jesus. My cup's open. Say this. 
So today, I'm going to talk to you about honoring your calling. As I said, Pastor Allen's been teaching a series on honoring. Uh, they're out there for you to listen to. I'd encourage you to just grab any one of them. They all stand alone, but they all have a great message. So honoring your calling, sometimes the best way to define what something is is by telling you what it's not. So I want to show you something. This is not the calling that I'm talking about. We are going to begin our day now with husband calling. Roy! Roy! Honey, get yourself in here. Terry! Woo! Terry, come on, let's go. Terry! But what I'm going to talk about today, and as I said, there's a lot of ways you can define calling, right? People are called, say, I'm called to do this, I'm called to do that. What I'm talking about today is being called to follow Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Some examples of calling, you're familiar with these. Uh, when Jesus called his apostles, or his disciples, he said, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat and their father Zebedee mending their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left, and they followed him. And then from there, not everybody was a fisherman. Jesus went from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus talks about or, or he's been talking in parables, and he's talking about blessing the, the children, and uh, he talks, he predicts his resurrection. And a, a man comes up to him, a rich man. We say he's rich because he has many possessions. Now, a certain ruler, this is in verse 18, says, Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sor sorrowful because he was very rich. And Jesus' disciples then said, 
Well, we've, we've left our families. We've done so many things to follow you. And in verse 29, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parent or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present life and in the ages to come. And then he goes on to predict his death and resurrection. So you have examples of Jesus calling and people immediately responding and following him. And then you have an example of a man who said, I do a lot of good things. And Jesus says, well, would you give everything up to follow me? And he went away sadly. But that's really what Jesus asks us to do. When we are asked to lay down our cross, lay, lay down and pick up our cross and follow him, he's saying, put nothing else above me. He's not necessarily saying, go sell everything and give your money to the church. He's saying, put nothing else above me. You take that first step, and then I'll tell you what the next step should be. Talking about honoring our calling. The way you honor your calling is to respond and act upon what you are called to do. Jesus said in Matthew, called the Sermon on the Mount, and it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt having lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your, your Father who is in heaven. And that is what honoring your calling is. It is following Christ. And it is not an easy road to follow. Sometimes invitations are given, and, and I understand why they're given, and it's all good news. I mean... You want someone to buy something from you, you tell them all the good things about them, right? You don't tell them all the bad things. And there's no bad thing about becoming a Christian, but becoming a Christian, the word promises that you will be persecuted. The word promises that you will be challenged. But as Christ says in this scripture, we should let our light shine. We, shouldn't, it shouldn't, we should not be secret Christians. People that you work with should not be surprised if they walk into church and see you there. Like, whoa, I didn't know you went to church. That's a shock. No, they should know that you are a follower of Christ. They should know that you are honoring your calling. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't think I've ever been called. I mean, 
I'm still waiting for an invitation. Well, today, if that's what your thinking is, you have that invitation. You can't claim ignorance anymore after today. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5, this, this really gets to the heart of what I believe, which is in verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men, can you say all men? All, all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. All men to be saved. And how are we saved? How are we saved? By accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if it's God's will that we would all do it, then I think we're all going to be given the opportunity to do it. The, the question is, are you going to take that step to do it? Now, many of you have already taken the step, right? But I want to, again, talk about being honoring your calling. You may be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. You may be a plumber, a pharmacist, a software engineer. You may be in the military. You may be a school teacher. You may be a manager of a ranch. Whatever You may be retired, but if you're retired, that is a job. I don't mean that you can exhaust yourself playing golf when I say <laughs> yeah, you can be retired, although some people have seen me uh, look exhausted playing golf. <laughs> what I'm talking about is that you're calling. I, these are your vocations. This is how I look at it. These are your vocations. God has given us all individual gifts and talents. And we can use those gifts and talents in our job to provide for ourselves and our family, to return a tithe to the church, and to bless other people. But to me, that is not our calling. That's our vocation. But our vocation should have a foundation that's based on our calling. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, if you, if you don't look at what you do in your everyday life as an opportunity to share Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're not honoring your calling. I don't mean to step on your toes, but you cannot be a silent Christian. And it's going to be very apparent when I show you a few more things today what happens when there is a silent Christian world out there. Because it has been for too long. Now, how you choose to walk out your calling, and this is what I've, what I've thrown up here. My wife and I, Sean, uh, were youth pastors for eight years. And every few years, we would do this little demonstration about walking out your calling. So we would lay out plates all over. We, first, we'd put down plastic. <laughs> Then we'd lay down all these plates, and we would put egg, raw eggs and ketchup and mustard and all kinds of yucky stuff. And then we would, and we'd have, we'd first ask for volunteers. Of course, everybody wants to do it in youth, so we'd pick a couple, right? Maybe three, and we'd send them off. And then we would set this up, this uh, path. So we would bring them in. And we would have them blindfolded. And then we would spin them around. 
and then we would stop them. It's like, okay, your future lies ahead of you. Step out into your future. And we would watch them trump, they, you know, they try to, and then they're in eggs, and then they're in mustard, and then they're in this, and then they're in that. It was a big hit with the kids. They didn't always get the point. <laughs> but they, what'd you do? And youth today, oh, we stomped around in mustard. But the next part of that demonstration is we would bring another one in and have their blindfold on, and we would say, okay, you have a helper that we've provided you. This helper is called the Holy Spirit. That's, that's his helper's name. So before you are a lot of different paths you can take. But to walk out your calling, walk out the life that the Lord has planned for you, you need to depend on this Holy Spirit that God has given you. Otherwise, you're just walking blind. So we would identify a, a, one of the students to be the Holy Spirit. And they would say, take one step forward, about 12 inches, right on the plate. Take another step forward, his left foot 12 inches, and they could navigate through there. Sometimes missteps, because they didn't always hear what was said, right? And then the last one we would bring in, and we'd say, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have, you're tuned into God. We take the blindfold off and say, you think you can walk this path that God has laid out for you? And no problem. They could walk right through it without missing a step, right? Which is what we all want to do. But it's so important that we understand what it is that the Lord has laid out for us to do. We know what our calling is. Our calling is the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and baptized shall be saved. I didn't quote that exactly word for word. So, Greg, I know you and Alan can quote that stuff. Uh, and I, I can turn over there if we need to. But you get the point, right? But it's so very important that as you walk out what your calling is, that you walk down the right path. I want to show you a video clip of a great example of people, some people who understand that what they're doing is their vocation. In this case, it's a hobby. But what they're doing is their vocation. But they understand what they're doing is really the foundation for honoring their calling. We'll go to back row left. Alex Scarborough with ESPN. For, for the players, I know you talk about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. And um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I 
I was so happy to win the college, I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we wanna win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah, um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game, because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home. And I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our father and I'm so excited about that. And yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home. And um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our king, so. Tremendous. A uh, little side note, I send that off to my family. Uh, Elder Greg sent this to me and so I, we, our, we have our little group things like I'm sure they all do. So I send it out and um, so we have grandkids and two of my son, grandsons play soccer. They're both really good, exceptional. Uh, the eight-year-old, the oldest one of uh, those grandkids, he had a soccer match Saturday. So he called me Friday morning and he had seen this video and was like, Papa, I have a question for you. Did you have joy when you played sports? And I said, well, I think, I'm like, okay, I know where he's going. It's like, no, I had happiness when I played sports, but I was unhappy when I lost. But regardless of whether won or lost, I still had my joy in the Lord. It's like, I have joy in the Lord, Papa, and uh, I'm so excited. And are you coming to my game? Yeah, I'm coming to your game. So we go to their game yesterday morning, and he's really good, and his team's really good. They've won several tournaments, but they are in some competition that they've never seen before. I mean, these are like little robots. And <laughs> I think it ended 11 to nothing or something like that. It was a real beat down. So needless to say, he was not happy. He walked right past us and got in his dad's truck and sat there. And uh, they told us later when they were driving away, Gavin said, I don't want to hear anything about joy. <laughs> And then he said, I don't think I'll ever find joy. <laughs> He's only eight. But the next chance that we're with him, my wife is going to share some wisdom that she has about joy being a fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and that you're just getting started. You've just got a seed planted. 
and you're going to grow, and you're going to have this fruit called joy. He will find it. I'm sure he will. But going back to taking our steps and walking out our calling and honoring our calling, it's real important about the path that we choose. As I said earlier, when Jesus, when we were talking about being a, becoming a Christian, it comes with a cost. You will be persecuted. The guy that you see up here, this is hot off the press as of um, Friday. The guy you see up here, his name is uh, Anthony Bass. Uh, he was a professional, he was a professional pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you know the only professional baseball team that does not have a pride night baseball? Let's go, Rangers! Yes, uh, is the Texas Rangers. Uh, some, like Toronto Blue Jays, have a pride weekend. And so he pitches for them. And he posted, he reposted a, a video clip of a pastor that was speaking about some of the things that are going on in the world today. I'll touch about that in a little bit. But anyway, the, the message that he posted, the preacher was talking about wokeness. He was talking about uh, that, hey, we need to be careful who we choose to spend money with. I mean, if we want to support certain businesses that are all about wokeness, like Target or Budweiser. And so he just posted that. Well, there was an uproar. This is like three weeks ago when this happened. Uh, there was a big uproar. So he was called down to the office and told, you're going to retract this. You're going to issue an apology for this. If not, there's going to be consequences. So he did record a video. He didn't retract what he said. He just said, basically, I didn't forward that video to pass judgment on people. I just forward the video because I'm not really in agreement with some of the things that are done. But I have my right to my own belief, just like you have your right to your own belief. So he kind of skated through that until they had an interview with him this last Thursday, newspaper interview. And they said, so we saw your little video, and, uh, but I have a question for you. Do you still believe that same way? Have your beliefs changed? He said, no, no, my beliefs haven't changed. So on Friday, he was let go. He is an unemployed baseball player as of today, unless something new's come out. Because of him taking a stand because of him using his vocation as a platform to honor his calling. So what steps can you take? Well, the next step that you take can be very, very important, and here's why. Christ talked about it in Matthew 7, 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell 
is broad and the gate is wide for many who choose that path. When I laid these plates out here, I kind of scattered them around a little bit, but it was with the understanding that these are all steps that we can take. But the broad way is scattered everywhere, right? But the narrow way to walk out our calling, it's important because the narrow way leads us to eternity with Christ. The broad way leads us to hell. I mean, that's as simple as I can state it. And I believe that with all my heart. Now, being childish, I want to talk about that. We make our decisions on what we're going to do in life when we're young, when we're childish. We make really foolish decisions. In fact, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 11, Paul writes, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And then he goes on in chapter 14 and says, Brothers, do not be like children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I did some really foolish things. The most foolish thing I ever did was when I was eight years old. And I've shared this, and I'll be really brief with it this time. But we lived out in the country, and this is when skateboarding was just the craze, right? We lived in this house, had linoleum floors, and skateboards would just mark up that linoleum floor. So my mom said, you do not skateboard in this house ever again. Well, I just ignored her. I knew what time she was going to come home from work, so I would skateboard, skateboard, skateboard. And uh, I knew right before she got home, I'd get out a wet towel, and I could hide all the evidence. So until one day, I was skateboarding down the hall into the living room, and there she is. She's getting out of the car. I'm eight, lightning fast mine. I skateboarded right into the kitchen. I mean, this is pretty quick thinking. Opened the refrigerator door, grabbed a bottle of ketchup, squirted it on the floor, laid down and put my head on it, and turned the skateboard over. <laughs> True story. I thought, if I scare her bad enough, she is not going to be concerned about the markings on the floor. Well, as soon as she let out that first yell, no, it's more of a wail. I jumped up, Mama, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. She wore me out. And then uh, that's when I, the second, but, so don't do that. And the second thing you can learn from this, I'm glad the kids are up in kids' church, is uh, don't get in trouble in the kitchen because she grabbed me by the arm and we started that spanking dance. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> When I realize the kitchen is no place to get in trouble is because there's lots of utensils that you can spank people with. Oh, there's a spatula. Oh, there's a wooden spoon. They sent me to my bedroom. She sent me to my bedroom, and I waited and waited, and then my dad comes home. Then my dad comes home, and he wears me out. And they left me in my room till later that evening. I could hear my mom coming down the hall. And by this time, with my eight-year-old mind, I had rationalized that they had totally overreacted and that she was coming to apologize to me. <laughs> she opened that door, grabbed me by the arm, said, get out of that bed, Jeffrey Lee, I'm going to spank you again. <laughs> True story. 
But very childish thinking, right? Very childish thinking. But Paul is warning in 1 Corinthians that as Christians, we should not be walking through our Christian life making childish decisions. We should be making mature decisions about how we go through our life. I mean, some of our walks look like this. Y'all remember Family Circle? I couldn't find the exact one I wanted, but you can see the little kid's path when he leaves his home and how he just goes every which direction. But I would challenge you to say, by, to say that uh, I think some of the paths that we have taken in following Christ resemble this type of approach. I mean, I'm going to follow Christ. Oh, I'm distracted. Here I go. Oh, oh now I'm going to follow. Oh, no, now I'm distracted. Here I go. So, and I understand the reason why, right? Because if we're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, if we're not reading the Bible, if we're not surrounding ourselves with godly people, then this is how we're going to make decisions. This is called the bat race. <laughs> How do you decide? Proverbs really spells out how it is that we walk such a crooked path sometimes. Proverbs 14, verse 12 said, There is a way which seems right to man and appears straight before him, but, it, but its end is the way of death and destruction. I've, well, I started to say, I've ceased being surprised at what I see going on around us today in the world, but... I, I don't believe that anymore. I think I can be surprised tomorrow. I mean, the world is so deceived. The world is so blinded to the truth that you see this wokeism. Here's a great example of just how foolish we have become. Not we. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> One person can tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I, I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? Do you want to tell us what a woman is? And so they go on the internet, and they're told that all of their problems will be solved if they become a man. So you worry that there, there could be a sort of social contagion element of this? A teeny tiny bit, maybe. 
you're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way. Puberty blockers, which are completely reversible. One of the drugs used is Lupron, right? Which mm -hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders. You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview. You don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids, or? How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? There are masculine girls. There are feminine boys. What are we going to do about that? Carve them up? How can this whole thing be happening, Matt? Part of me wants to ask why you care so much. I, I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Is it transphobic to tell the truth? Well, I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? <laughs> they say no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I heard Ed Young, if you want to hear a series on wokeism in the church, in other words, the, what is the, how should the church respond to wokeism? What is wokeism? Uh, you can Google Ed Young. He's a pastor that I follow from time to time, and he has a series of three teachings on wokeism. And he said, here's the definition of woke, which is W-O-K-E. Woke is willingly overlooking known evil, willingly overlooking known evil. And as a church, that's what we're being challenged to do. We're being challenged to accept everybody. We should love everybody. We, should, we shouldn't be critical. We, shouldn't, uh, we should be silent. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. Well, listen to Ephesians 5. I'll start with verse 3. But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, jesting which is not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no man deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not be partakers with them. If we're silent, we are condoning it. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Yes. Can you say that with me? Expose them. Expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now it's not done in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he said, awake. You who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Can I get an amen? amen? Awake, awake. I mean, how, how far off can we get when we can't even define what is a woman? I mean, I, I, I won't say you can't get any worse than that, but I'm not going to say that anymore. What we're seeing today 
with this Anthony Bass, the pitcher. It's just a snippet of what can happen. What can happen? I mean, we all know the story story of uh, and Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, their government, their king, demanded that they bow down and worship the king or an image of the king anytime a certain song was played. And the whole country did it because that's what they were told to do, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know how the story went. They were sentenced to death to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And the good news is that Christ was in the fiery furnace with them. And they came out, didn't even smell like smoke, didn't have a single scorched hair on their head. But the reason that they were unharmed is because they were walking out their calling. They were walking out their faith and they weren't willing to change or bow down when they were told, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your church. Your church, we're not going to let you uh, take your contributions off of your income tax anymore. Are you still going to donate to the church? Are you still going to tithe if that happens? Because I'm not prophesying this, but I could very well see that come in the past. Are you going to continue to go to church if they come in and arrest you? If you speak against wokeism, will the church then be silent and say, okay, well, we can't talk. Let's don't talk about this Ephesians 5. Let's tear that out. We're not going to use that anymore. It's a slippery slope when we start picking and choosing what we're going to believe in the Bible. One of the most troublesome surveys that I heard recently is they surveyed, I don't know how many people, and I probably shouldn't, since I don't know the specifics, I probably shouldn't talk about it, but I was just so amazed and then thought, well, why are you so amazed? The question that the survey asked was, how many of you, do, do you believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God? 25% did observe, 25%. So when you look at what's going on in the world, it's probably not that hard to believe it's really happening because if you don't have a compass, if you don't have a guide, if you don't have a way to direct your steps and you're just going to do what Proverbs says and there's a way that seems right to man that leads to destruction and death, that what you see happening is people not believing that this is the word of God and choosing to live their life according to how they think it should be lived. Psalms 37 says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. He has, if we're righteous and we're made righteous through Jesus Christ, we're not righteous on our own. If we walk out our calling, he will tell us how to walk that out. In Hebrews 13, 21, we're, we're being put in a position to succeed. I see several people I've worked with in the past, and I know they, they, they did this. I talked about it, and they did it. We need to put people in a position to succeed. 
the worst thing you can do is to hire somebody and then don't put them in a position to succeed. You wouldn't do it. It's foolish, right? Well, just as in business we wouldn't do that, God would not do that. Christ would not do that. He would not call us to follow him and put us in a position to fail. And in Hebrews 13, it says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of sheep, equip, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Equip. God has equipped us to walk out in life and honor our calling. He's equipped us by giving us the Bible. I thought this was pretty cool. I was working on my lesson, and I saw this that afternoon. I took a break and saw this guy wearing this scripture on his back at a restaurant or a little lunch thing. It's kind of confirmation. But he's given us the Bible to equip us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. We all have heard that term, led by the Spirit, right? Jesus in Luke 4, chapter 1, it talks about Jesus pulling full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's when he was first tempted. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Well, what understanding do we lean on? We lean on the Word of God, and we also lean on the Holy Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're put in a position to succeed. Romans 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 John, whoever keeps his commandments abides in, God, abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Get a thesaurus, Google, verses on the Holy Spirit, and you will be astounded at how many verses are in the, Holy, in the Bible that talk about the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. And just like I talked about in our illustration with these kids, he tells you the next step to take. He tells you the next step to take. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. But I say, walk by the spirit, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's always good to have an example to follow, right? And I'm... I don't know if you recognize the individual. Second from the left. It's the second from the left. I don't know if you recognize him. But uh, maybe you'll recognize him this way. Yeah. Mike Bochamp. Woo. Mike is a retired master gunnery sergeant. I hope I got that right. He's been promoted to as high as he could go. And he's, a, and he's not perfect. I don't hold him up here as perfect, but it's good, I think, to point to, oh, I know somebody, and I've seen them do this. I've seen Mike Bochamp do this. Take that step that the Lord is asking to take. Take this step. I mean, he didn't join the Marines to get married, but in joining the Marines, he got married. And he, when he decided to move to Granbury, because he thought that's where the Lord wanted him to move, he didn't move here like, I'm going to go to this Granbury so I can be, my wife and I can be over the youth at our church and teach, teach kids' church.
but that's what he did because he took this step. He follows the, the walk. And I know so many of the rest of you do too. But the cool thing about it is Mike retired from the Marines, right? Hey, I'm retired. That's what I've been working for all my life. I moved here and want to teach these kids. That was a step. And then, wait, you have something else for me to do, Lord? You want me to take one more step? Okay, what do you want me to do? Well, I think I'll maybe teach. So Master Gunnery Sergeant Mike Beauchamp teaches because he is honoring his calling. He was awarded Teacher of the Year and Area Teacher of the Year. I think that deserves a hand clap. And if you talk to him, he will give all the glory to God. But he got to where he's at by, Lord, what's the next step you would have me take? Okay, I'm going to finish by the song that I played earlier um, while I was putting these plates out. It's called Psalms 23. And we all know that. Psalms 23, right? So in praying about this lesson, I thought, well, you know, that's, we all know it, but how can I make that come to life? How can I make that come to life? So I made some notes, and what I'm going to attempt to do is walk down Psalms 23, being led by the Lord. So all you're going to hear is the Lord's side of the conversation. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, I see you over there. What are you doing? Looks like you're having a really difficult time in life. Why don't you consider following me? Who am I? Well, I go by a lot of names, but you can call me the shepherd. Let me tell you about what a shepherd does. So the Lord tells him what the shepherd does. And he says, you know what? I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you. So just as we're getting ready to start, he's getting ready to start. Um, he says, wait, 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 shepherd. And God says, where are you going? Don't, don't, don't go over there. That, you're going in the wrong way, and that's going to cost you. Okay, if you insist on going, I'll be right here if you decide to come back. Oh, I see you're back. Two years later, you're back. So great to see you. What did it cost you? Ah, your marriage. Well, let's get back on track. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. We need to stop here. I want you to rest because you really had a difficult time on those two-year hiatus you took from me. I want to spend some time with you talking about forgiveness and trust. I want to talk about having a relationship with you that's different. He leadeth me beside still water. What's that noise, you ask? That is a raging river and a storm. But it's, it's okay. What do you mean you're afraid? 
What do you mean you're not going to follow me? You, you're you're going to go off again? Remember, when I started, I said I promised that it wouldn't be perfect. Uh, you'd be tempted and it'd be trials, but don't leave. Don't go. But you want to run away? Okay, I'll be right here when you come back. Two years later. Welcome back. Are you okay? You're not? So sorry you went through that. Greed and pride. Substance abuse will do that to you. It's probably led to anger and pain and suffering for you and, and other things. I'm so glad you're back. What? What? Just Yes, that raging storm is still here in front of us. And there's still high waters. But will you trust me and walk with me through them? Thanks for trusting me. We made it. How did I know where there'd be calm waters? Because I know everything. I don't want to come across as bragging, but I do. I know everything. What's, what What'd you say? Oh, in Texas, it ain't bragging if you can back up what you say. Okay. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now I can see that last detour really took a lot out of you. So let's spend some time together again. Let me share some words of wisdom with you. And I want to get so close to you that you call me father and I call you son. Yeah, you like the sound of that? I do too. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yes, I understand that that's a dangerous-looking path I'm taking you by down, but trust me, I'm going to take care of you as we go down this path. Don't go. You're going to go in the wrong direction, and you know what's happened. Look, I understand your friend and your family's Maybe even some of the people you go to church with are saying, no, don't do that. Don't. I know the Lord is telling you that, but I think that's foolish. Don't do it. Okay. I'll be here if you decide to join back up with me again. There you are. I thought that was you. I saw you a long ways off, and I heard you call my name. So I came running. So sorry to hear that the world stole your happiness and peace and joy, and that your life down that path was not at all like you were told it would be. But look what I have for you. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Have a seat, rest, and let me share some wisdom with you about forgiveness and faith and hope and love. Yes, I see your enemies are around you. But I've got this. I will protect you. I will never leave you. And I'll leave no doubt in the enemy's mind how great it is to have a life with me. All I ask is that you accept my love and forgive yourself for your mistakes by accepting my full forgiveness and follow my instructions. I want the best for you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Well, we are almost near the end of the journey. What do you see when you look back? No, no, no. I'm not talking about the detours. I'm talking about what do you see when you walked with me? What did you say? That's right. Goodness and mercy. And you nailed it. And he said, no, I didn't nail it. Lord, you nailed it. You nailed it on the cross for me. So, in conclusion, I know I've talked for a long time, but I've had this burden to share this for a long time. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here real quick. And we'll be brief, but... The big question in front of you, it's in your folder, next step. What next step will you take? And you can say, well, I'm not going to take a step. I'm comfortable right here. Well, that is taking a step by doing nothing. If you haven't accepted Christ, today is the day you can take a step to do that. And I'll ask the prayer team, some of the prayer team to come down now. Today is the day you can do that. Perhaps your path with the Lord has been like the family circle. <laughs> and you have wandered back and forth. Maybe you haven't wandered back. But the Lord is there waiting. The Lord is there waiting. And today would be a good day for you to take that step to come to Him. And finally, maybe you are following the Lord. And you don't know what the next step is. I used to think, golly, Lord, just tell me the whole story. And he said, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> so he tells me one step at a time. And maybe you might want to pray with someone like, hey, can you, can you maybe help me understand what, let's pray together about what is the next step that you have for so I'll give you just a minute to respond to that. You don't have to come forward to do it. Though I always believe taking action, like Jesus when he healed people, he said, take up your bed and walk. They got up, they did something. Stretch out your hand. They stretched out their hand, they did something. But sometimes I think taking a step is a way to convince yourself that, yeah, I'm going to do it.